Oi, Uslots, this is the Hobgrot, and I'm here to tell you about the Warclans. You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 155 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. So, uh, it's been quite a fun-filled week this week. There's been some games of Warhammer and we've got two brand new battle tomes. Um, we've discussed Storm, the Stormcast Eternals last week. And this week it is the turn of the Auric War Clan. So I believe myself... Matt and Andy have all got a copy of the book. It's not going to be a full-blown review of the book. We're just going to pick out a few things that have changed, some really tasty stuff in there. Uh, and we actually had a, a game um, with the two new books as well. So we'll probably talk a little bit about what we, we found where we're good and not so great um, in that game within uh, our, our War Clans uh, section later on in the show. There's also been an event called Gen Con where we've seen some pretty tasty reveals. Um, so we're going to be talking about those later on uh, and that's actually going to be the focus of our top three as well so our top three this week is our favorite reveals from gen con uh, we'll also have all the rest of the news and the community top three towards the end of the show but before we get stuck into all of that let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week so andy what have you been up to <laughs> i was hoping you wouldn't do me first but um yeah okay um so i f- started painting up a sloppity bile piper uh, last weekend, um, had a bit of an impulse buy. I went into local games workshop and bought myself a <laughs> sloppity bile piper, um, bug, so to speak. Yeah, 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 cut the nurgle bug. Um, and well, it's one of the few models that I hadn't painted. Um, so I had a nice little painting sesh, um, with one of my mates, and we sort of, um, got the bile paper done pretty quickly, actually. It was really enjoyable to paint. Um, the rest of the week, um what else have i built um uh, oh god uh built some more orc stuff um finally got some death copters from the combat patrol box built along with the mega boss uh war boss in mega armor um have to say that the grot gun on his shoulder um was awesome that was really nice um so i got those done um i then had um what should i do first uh, a game of age of sigma on friday against fellow Purple Spot the Unicorn co-host, uh, Mr. Craig Chesters. And um, I took the Sons of Bermat versus his Seraphon, um, and we played a scenario called Two for Nail, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And in this scenario, there's an objective in each of the four quarters of a board, and you have sort of like a diagonal deployment, and... Um, you score like one point for controlling one, what you know, so on. And um, yeah, he had um, what I could describe as a very mid-range shooting Seraphon list. So he had two Bastilodons, two units of Salamanders, which, as I found out, really hurt with Unleash Hell when you charge them with a Mega Gargant. And uh, yeah, he had a, you know, it was like a slam, the usual sort of Seraphon stuff after that and um loved it absolutely loved the game um it, it, yeah but turn three um i won priority so craig got to remove 
one of the objectives, one of the non-primary objectives, um, which really, if he hadn't been able to do that, I think I would have just ran away with the game. Um, as it as it turns out, um, I still won the game. Sorry, Greg, um, but <laughs> it was it was nail-bitingly close until sort of like turn four. Um, I think I had a gatebreaker left alive on like three wounds, a ward stomper left on like 19 wounds, but I'd been able to do enough damage and keep him distracted on the mega gods long enough that my little man crushers were able to sneak around the onto the other objectives and just cap them and just score me a load of points. Um, so I played that on Friday and then as of recording, um, I went to Warhammer World yesterday uh, on the Sunday. We have another friend of mine called Jason who um, hasn't had the opportunity to actually play a game of 40k since 9th edition oh, wow. uh, came out. So we took a trip up to Warhammer World, booked a table, got in, um, and he had his uh, Space Marine uh, Carcaridon, um, which he was using as white scars. And we played two games over the course of a day. First one was 12.50 with my orcs being the Goths um, against his uh, white scars. And I don't know why, but we started the game at about quarter past ten. And I think it was about quarter to two by the time we finished the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it just went on forever. But w- at the end of turn five, I had a war boss and a truck left alive on like a wound. And that was about it. Mm-hmm. So, but <laughs> there was not a lot left. And then the, the second game we played... Um, only lasted about 45 minutes. Um, but, yeah, I was able to um, sneak out a win in that one. The first game ended on um, a draw, 62 to 62. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good fun um, playing the Orcs as well. So, um, yeah, so I've got a sloppy bi-piper, played a game of Age of Sigmar, a couple of games of 40k, and uh, built some more Orcs in short. I like the fact that you had like an epic, like massively long game followed by a 45 minute, what sounds like a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how the orcs roll. Some games, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, when we went to Warhammer World last, you know how orc shooting goes. Sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's really bad. So yeah, I think if it wasn't for like talking and taking a pause between mine and Matt's game, we might have been done in 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> the rate of shooting from Matt, it was it was absolutely brutal. Um, but that sounds like a really good week hobby to me, Andy. I think that's, I think that's really good. Um, Jay, what have you been up to? <coughs> Just about to cough. Um, so I've had a mix. I've done like the holy trinity of hobbying this week. I've done building, I've done painting, and I've done gaming. Hey. The, only thing I've, the only thing I've not done is buying. Although I did do some buying last week, so maybe that'll count as well. It's really dangerous, that, Jay. I know, yeah. Well, I'll start with the buying. So... Um, the four drill Praetors arrived. The Ultramarines um, Praetor in Cataphracty Terminator armor and Power armor. I've not built them yet. Um, I will build them probably in October. Uh, really, really nice models. These new range of Praetors they're doing, the sort of upgraded versions. We've got the Word Bearers, which haven't come out yet. The Imperial Fist and the Ultramarines ones are really, really smart. Um, so they turned up. Um, on the building side, I've built some Lumineth and I've built a new tank for my Blood Angels. The Is it the Arquator with the Spiculous Rocket Launcher? It's mm. like this is the sort of the Plague Burst Crawler Mortar thing. So that's built next to me. Really, really nice tank. <clears throat> I had a bit of a job. Um, the, the 
it's much better how they do the forge world tanks now i remember the first spartan i built where you had to put all of the tracks on independently and things like that mm-hmm. now like the the two sort of track sort of side parts of the hull are one solid piece of resin but one mm-hmm. of them is slightly out of shape so it took me and they're quite fit like an inch and a half thick i had to um soak it in boiling water for well probably about three or four attempts to to just bend it a couple of millimeters just so that it lined up okay but other than that it was uh, really really um straightforward to build um on the painting side my primark is nearly finished um the um uh line the line l johnson um i've got the back of his cloak to finish off now i've done all of the shades and it just needs a final highlight and the fur picking out uh, and then i need to make a start on his base and then he's done um and i've been working um last night and today on the shrine luminor for the luminef uh, the scenery piece so i've got the, uh, the the top arch was done anyway i had done that previously I've now got all of the rocks done, so I've, I've basically um, Mechanica Standard Grey, Dry Brush Dawnstone, Dry Brush Administrator Grey, is it? And then I've been running like um, purple and blue washes and things across different parts of it just to give it a sort of magical type pristine look to it. Uh, and um, I'm now working on the on the water, so just building up the different blues for the water. Uh, and I think that's me done. Oh, and on the gaming side, um, I had a uh, we've got a tournament at the weekend uh, age of sigma free uh purple sparkle unicorns are running it um i'm taking luminef uh, matt's taking his corn he'll talk about this probably on on his hobby roundup um so we had a practice game so this was the first match play game of age of sigma i've played with the battle tactics and the grand strategies it's the first game i've ever had using techless in however many 18 months or whatever since the book come out um so that was really really fun to, to play that game as well um, yeah you did all right didn't you techless Oh, Techless, he was brilliant. Yeah, he was really, really good in this game. So um, Matt had a lot of um, casting debuffs, didn't you? Casting debuff auras, casting debuffs that can turn into mortal wounds on my casters and things like that, make me forget spells. Um, but obviously Techless, not be, he just casts his spells on the values you want him to cast them on. Um, he was able to work around really those debuffs and um, he was pretty much pivotal, I think, in the victory with the uh, Total Eclipse spell, which makes... Uh, command abilities cost an additional command point, uh, which yeah. is which is really handy. It it, it 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 works as a sort of deterrence of you taking the first turn because obviously if you take the first turn, you potentially not got enough command points to do anything that turn. So you want to be going second really, um, but then you go second, you get the extra command points, but then it gives Techless time then to get other spells off like Protection of Techless, which is a five plus ward in, in a range around him, which was really nice. Uh, and the other spell which was fantastic, was, I think it's called Freezing Squalls or something like that, but it's a Law of the Wind spell, and it basically you target a, an enemy unit and they cannot issue or receive command abilities, which is, I like, you know, like a monstrous roar, really, really cool. Um, I think I probably, it was a probably um, a bit easier to sort of get those things off against Matt because Matt, Matt's army is a big dragon, and that's it, really. It's just one massive unit that I have to deal with, so I could target all my debuffs and everything on that one massive unit, whereas in other armies, where you, you know, like, like the army you used, uh, Dave or, or Matt used um, the other day, uh, where you've got multiple threats on the board, like big units of Annihilators, Fulminators, Indrasta, Amor, Crusher, Kragnars, a big unit of Iron Brutes. Uh, I, are they Brutes? Yeah, Iron Brutes, aren't they? Iron Jaw Brutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, you know, you can only shut down one unit for command abilities. But yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was a good, it was a good game, Matt. It was quite close as well, wasn't it? We were playing a really cool mission um, where um, 
it, it had an unusual scoring uh, mechanic where you didn't yeah. score victory points as per battle tactics. You basically, the game was won depending on how many battle tactics you achieved. It's kind of a spiritual successor to Knife to the Heart, yeah. where there is an auto win condition. And if you don't get that, then yeah, like you say, based on the number of uh, battle tactics you do, which was really good. And it was a nice way of testing them out because, like you say, we'd, uh, I've had a couple of games of match play AOS 3, but predominantly we've played uh, Path to Glory, haven't we? But yeah, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot more to think about in match play, isn't there? There is a lot more to think about. And like, yeah, you're right. We've, I mean, I've only ever been playing narrative and I've only really been playing Crusading 40k. And I was a bit unsure about whether battle tactics was an extra level of complexity, which I just couldn't be bothered to deal with in games of Age of Sigmar. There's already enough going on in Age of Sigmar, figuring out that where you're going to be if you don't get the priority, how you're going to deal with a double turn if it comes up, how you're going to get units onto objectives and numbers and things like that. And I thought, oh, now I've got to think about battle tactics every turn and which one. But actually, I found the game was, it's a different game. Because mm. in, in a lot of the turns objectives are secondary and you're more concerned about how you're going to achieve your battle tactic and also how you're going to deny the opponent their battle tactic um so and it but it wasn't too onerous to keep track of i didn't think it was an, an enjoyable experience which i was a bit unsure of so yeah it was all good yeah one thing tried. i'd like to see one thing i'd like to see is for uh the second edition i think the first they released little kind of like score books essentially where you could fill in your scores you went along that'd be really handy for match play just with tracking all your, your battle tactics that you've completed yeah definitely. little like journals little journal yeah obviously yeah. you can print it out yourself but i think that'd be a great product they could put out yeah yeah that sounds like a really good idea Excellent. Uh, sounds like a, quite a jam-packed full week fair for you. Uh, it's been ace for the hobby this last week. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the weekend to play some more Age of Sigmar. I can't wait for next week to... I mean, this week's going to be a bit of a rush because I've got to get some paint on some models. But next week, I can start thinking about Blood Angels again and things like that. Um, and we've got some news as well to talk about, which might influence what I decide to build and paint next week as well. So, yeah, it's all good. Well, excellent. Um. I'm going to jump to, to, to myself. So this week for me, it was all about finishing Kragnos, uh, which I have now done all. Well, there's a couple of little things that I want to touch upon him, but for the most part, he's he's now completed. Um, really enjoyed painting him. I've tried to take my time, um, tried to make him one of the best models I've painted. And I think I've, I've done a pretty good job. Um, You've done really a cracking job with him, Dave. He is, he, I didn't manage to get a close-up look. I just forgot on uh, yesterday <laughs> when we were filming the battle report. But from what I did see of him, he looked fantastic. Um, I really like the green shield. Yeah, well, um, as somebody actually on Instagram, I do apologise. I meant to make a note of your name. I recommend I dry brush it, which I, I 100% am going to do. So I'll see what colour he recommends and then I'll I'll, uh, I'll dry brush that this week. Um, I have also started painting a test model for my Tomekeeper's Army. Um, so the first two issues of Imperium have now arrived. I did a very quick unboxing video over on our YouTube channel uh, this last week. Um, so I've decided to start painting the lieutenant from that magazine they're a bit darker than the actual official white dwarf scheme but i wanted a scheme that was um easier so i've gone with like a zandri dust uh spray wash and a quick dry brush um but i'm i'm quite happy with how it's turning out it's it's, it's quite different than any of a marine i've ever painted um so it should be quite fun finishing him off and see if i can continue with the run of the magazines um what else have i been up to so yeah, me and Matt had a game. Um, it was uh, played live on Twitch and YouTube on uh, yesterday. 
Um, we'll probably talk about it in a little bit more detail later on in the show when we're talking about the Auric Warclans book because a lot of it kind of would, would, would come into that. But needless to say, Matt, it was a great game, wasn't it? It was fun, yeah. It was good. It was good to uh, to use the two new books against each other because obviously we mentioned uh, me and Jay had a battle. Having an additional couple of um, tactics that you can use from the codex gives you a bigger pool of stuff you can do each turn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was really good. But we'll, like I say, we'll, we'll talk probably. Matt might cover it in a moment, but we'll talk about it in a bit more detail uh, during our Auric War Clans. Um, and I think that's me for the week. For the week coming, I really want to build my Void Dragon. So I think he's oh, going to be yeah. one of my next, my next things. Uh, next things to do. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to in the hobby this week? So, like, like the guy said, I had a couple of games of Warhammer. Uh, I've also done quite a bit of building and painting. I finished the Forminators, ready for the battle report. I really like those models. Like you you mentioned the other day, didn't you, Jay, when you saw them, that they look a million times better in person than they do in, like, <laughs> box art and stuff. I have never given these models a second glance. I would never have considered adding these models to my army in the slightest. However, yeah, you're right. In person, they're amazing. They're really, really cool. I think the actual rider is superb with his like um, really chunky armor, the really chunky spear, the little plume that he has on his head. Yeah, I'm really impressed. I, th- I think that's why I like them because they look more like the new Stormcast, United even though they came out yeah. like I don't know four or five years ago. Yeah. So so yeah, so they were really fun to paint. I kind of want to get some more because they're really good as well in game, but they're, they're, they're nice models. And um, I've also built and started painting my Redemptionist gang for Necromunda. Uh, I started, I've highlighted up the red through uh, Mephiston red, through Evil Sun Scarlet, all the way up to uh, Wild Rider red. And I've just started blocking in where I want the yellow. That one needs highlighting up. And then really you can start putting the other details with the robes being like the main majority. But I wanted to get them done and then I can go back in with the other bits. So they're really nice to paint as well. Uh, I've also built and sprayed uh, Argyle Tau, the named word bearer demon guy. He's a really cool model. Uh, it came out last Friday, I believe, and yeah, rapidly built that and sprayed it up. Really, really cool guy. And uh, yeah, that's it, really. On my to-do list, I want to get a lot of my Necromunda stuff built and painted because I think me, Dave, I think Andy as well, plan on doing a bit of Necromunda uh, later in the year, and I thought, get those built and painted up. We've got a nice pool of different gangs we can pick from. Absolutely, and obviously we've got a bit of Necromunda news coming up as well, um, which yeah. might further inspire you to, <laughs> to get those Necromunda stuff done, uh, Matt. Um, and actually, speaking of that, I think uh, it's about time we took a pause and came back with said news section. Now, there was some exciting news from Gen Con. We're going to save those for a little bit later on in the show. But Matt, apart from Gen Con, what have we got in the news? Well, we've got some uh, interesting pre-orders this week. Now, we, we kind of assumed that we'd get dragons. There's no dragons. There's no dragons this week, unfortunately. However, what we do have are, um, we mentioned last week, the Joy Toy um, Primaris action figures. They are up for pre-order in a special uh, week-long made-to-order window. They come in packs of four. It's, it's literally like almost a unit of space range you can get for each of them. There's That's an Incursor set and an Infiltrator set. Uh, 12 centimetres tall, all articulated. I actually quite like the look of these. <laughs> I really. I tell you what, what's drawn me to them is the fact I've seen tons of images recently uh, against which posted of them all posed in different like ways, like creeping into buildings. One of them's like dead and there's a marine over him trying to protect him. 
I think you can have a lot of fun buying a squad of five of these. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously you, you you get you're not but you can't buy a single one. You get a set of them. So oh, you do get a set of five. You, oh, don't, you, okay. you get a set of four. You don't get a set of five, which is right. OCD bugs me. But you get a set of four. Um. So I imagine they're not going to be on the cheapest side. No. Uh, and they're a made-to-order jobby, but they look really nice. Better than some of the some of the um ones that we've seen previously. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Does anyone um, remember that film, Small Soldiers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, that's the vibe I get when I see them. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a picture I saw on Facebook, and it just looked like an album cover to me. All these space screens <laughs> just, like, chilling in different poses. Yeah. So they, they look quite fun, actually. And I've not really been too taken with any of the action figures, but I think these are some of the better ones that I've seen. And I include the expensive Bandai one with that. I, don't, I think that had a bit less character than these. Maybe like you say, just because the, the the images are all kind of in funky poses rather than just standing there rigid holding a bolt rifle. <laughs> I've got some of the uh, Nendoroid um, Overwatch figurines. I collect them. And I've got a lot of them. And the, the pose balls are really cool. So I've got them all set up on my shelf. And every now and then, I'll just get them down like a big kid. And I'll put them into different poses. And that, that, that sort of thing really appeals to me. So I could just imagine getting a set of these, putting them on my shelf, and then every few months getting them down, changing the positioning. And, yeah, yeah you know cool. what? Probably the fact that they come in a set of four probably does work to that as well because just they've got different accessories. I mean, I do the same with my Evangelion that I've got. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, they look quite fun. So yeah, I don't know how much these are, but if you want them, you can only order them between the 25th and the 3rd of October directly through Games Workshop. Um, and normally stuff like that comes a little while later, doesn't it? If it's got a long lead time on it, but yeah, they look nice, nicely painted on the images as well. So yeah, really impressed with that. The main uh, kind of big bulk of orders though is the second wave, second and final, I believe, wave of 40k orcs. All the cool stuff that we've been really looking forward to is up for pre-order, including the kill rig. Uh, this is clocking in at 78 pound 50. Now I speculated that it might be in that ballpark when we did the review, not being you know cynical or anything, but uh, best unit in the book. Most expensive unit in the book. I mean, that's how much is a Stomper? 75? Yeah, 75. So, more expensive than a Stomper. Arguably better than a Stomper. But, uh, yeah, obviously we haven't seen the kit in person once we've had a bit of a hands-on with it. I remember saying on the, Eddie on the stream saying it was Baneblade sized. I'm not convinced it's Baneblade sized, but I imagine it's a fair bit bigger than a Battle Wagon. And that's 60 quid at the minute. So, yeah, we'll have to see one in person. I really like the model. Um... I think it's going to be one that definitely has to go together in sub-assemblies, though, because it looks like it's got lots of bits that might be hard to get to once it's uh, assembled. Alongside this, we've got the Pain Boss at £23.50 with his little uh, Grot orderly with a wheel instead of legs. Really, really nice model. Fits with a Beast Snagger aesthetic as well, so that's cool. Uh, we've also got the uh, the, the new um, kind of uh, War Boss on Squig. So you can build this as a generic Beast Boss on Squigasaur, or as the named character, Mozrog Scragbad, who stat-wise is basically just a better version of him. Uh, I want to pick up this guy because my Beast Nagger army, I want to get as many squigs in there as I can. Uh, he's not too bad, £31.50, so fairly reasonable on the Orc stuff, bar the kill rig that seems a bit on the pricey side, but obviously we need to kind of gauge how big it is before uh, we can commit on that too much. Are you guys a fan of Marvel comic books? Oh, Moderately. Yeah. <laughs> Moderately. Well, there is a new uh, Sisters of Battle comic book series uh, coming to Games Workshop with exclusive covers. I think you could previously get it in you know, comic book stores, but the, the Games Workshop exclusive covers start from next week. 
with the uh, Ultramarines one, the Marnius Calgar series, basically they released one of these a week, didn't they, over five weeks? Uh, I'll probably pick these up because I picked up all the Calgar ones. They, it's a nice little thing to have in the collection, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then finally, uh, the big news at Warhawk, the next part of the Siege of Terror series, book six, we're so close to the end, is of a pre order. And in an amazing move, Games Workshop decided not to stagger the limited and the standard edition. Oh no! On Friday, you can order the super shiny leather bound limited edition, the standard uh, hardback edition, or the audiobook all oh, on the same day. The audiobook's out. Yep. Amazing news. Because it's normally a bit later for the audiobook, and it you're is, like texting me all the time, saying, Oh, it's so good, Jay. I, I'm like, Don't tell me anything. This is it. And I think there's been a bit of feedback in the past that obviously. <laughs> Again, slightly cynical today on the podcast, but they, they released the kind of super duper limited edition. And yes, it's quite a bit more expensive than the standard version, but you get to read the book about three months early. Yeah, uh, that's not the situation this time. So you can get whichever version you want to read, you can get it, which is great. And, yeah. you know, this it, book's got a Jugatti Khan versus Mortarian showdown. So it's it, going to be a good one, isn't it? It also leaves a bit of taste in the mouth as well, isn't it? If you miss out on the limited edition and you've then got to wait... <laughs> Yeah. For the actual normal edition to come out so not only is it like salt in the wounds that you didn't get it but then you're also not reading it either so it, it helps that yeah i i would highly recommend being on games workshop uh before 10 if you want to get hold of the limited edition because they are super hard to come by uh so hopefully yeah hopefully get one because i can't have one missing in the collection because that'd be really frustrating <laughs> Uh, and then on Warhammer Plus this week, we've got quite a few bets. Uh, there's a Lawmasters show on Archmage Teclas himself. There's a Sistal Masterclass on Uruk Flesh. We've got the next episode of Angels of Death, which is absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, more White Dwarfs from 2019 and the Shield of Baal Leviathan expansion. All the lore of that's going to be on there. So yeah, building up quite a uh, assortment of content in the vault there. Ooh. And I, I've heard that this episode of Angels of Death is a mid-season finale. Is it? Is that oh, episode, really? it's season episode four? It went up Wednesday, didn't it? So yeah. Oh, you know what? That might be right then, Jay. And then maybe so they'll I, put out some more Hammer and Bolter or something after that. Yeah, I, I've only heard that on the Twitter machine, so I've not confirmed. I've not watched it yet, so I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching. It. I've been enjoying that series so far. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. I've got a quick, I know we carry out of schedule, but just a quick shout out for, for Lawmasters. Listen to the Abaddon while painting. That was great. That, that I need I need more of that in my life. Well, we're doing the, uh, the Teclas one this week, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, Teclas. So Teclas will be fun. And hopefully it goes back to the world that was as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it, the, the, the Lumineth battle term goes back to the world that was. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's got to, hasn't it? He's got such a good history, Teclas, as we learned. Maybe we'll get some hints and clues about Tyrion and what's happening with Tyrion. Who knows? Well, the advantage Lawmasters got over like internet law shows is that they've got the you know they've got the actual source of the info. They've got the scoop. If they want to throw in a cheeky little kind of wink to the future, they can do. And you know, it's uh, yeah, I I enjoyed that. Again, there's still a distinct lack of hammer. In my uh, <laughs> in my Warhammer Plus content, but obviously Teclas is a nice Lawmaster one, so we've got a bit of AOS there. I just yeah. I really want to see an animated AOS show, basically desperately yeah. now. Uh, so yeah, really really fun. We've got a few other little bits of news that aren't Gen Con related. The AOS app has launched. 
Uh, if you've picked up the new Uruk Warclans or Stormcast Eternals Battle Tome, you can input your code into the app to unlock all that content, which is great. That's a great part of the 40k app. Uh, I've had no issues with it. I've been building some lists. It's uh, It seems pretty usable. I don't know if you guys have had a play with it yet. Um, yeah, I have had a play with it. I've built a list of it. I've noticed um, one or two um, oddities in it um, in terms of army construction. Uh, but I noticed as well that on um, social media that, that they've been really receptive to people um, sending in bug reports, you know, to try and improve it. So I'm quite confident it's going to be a, an awesome app to use. I like the output of it um, yeah. in, in the text format that you can just paste. And I've used that to submit my list to the tournament going on on um, the weekend. And I much prefer that output than the PDF it used to output. Um, I, we've been searching through it, looking for different rules and references like that. It seems like a nifty app to me. Yeah, well, like in, in the game that we played the other day, I pretty much exclusively used that because obviously I've got an army with a Forge World model. I've got a new, a new uh, War Scroll. There's quite a few FAQs. Using that was all baked in. It was dead easy to use. So, yeah, thumbs yeah. up for me. Um, and that is in beta kind of stage at the minute. Eventually, you will have to pay to kind of gain access to everything. However, if you're a Warhammer Plus subscriber, you get that baked into your subscription. So, no complaints there at all. And finally, we had another trailer for Warhammer Total War 3. I think last time on the show, we shared that it has been delayed, uh, which is a shame. However, they did drop an amazing trailer. Oh, my gosh. What a trailer. Yeah, Grand, Grand Cathy, which is the kind of Chinese Warhammer continent, isn't it? That's been mentioned in the lore in the past, but we never really had any miniatures from there. Uh, stories of a dragon emperor that rules them all, and what it I was found so cool. It was cool, and what I didn't realize was apparently these dragon emperors, the moon dragons, they predate the the old ones arriving on the world. They do, they do. So they predate like the elves, the slan, and which is really, really interesting. Yeah. So, and what's really cool? So all of these units and all of their abilities were designed by the uh, the the the, the, the Forge World Specialist Game Studio, who's obviously developing the old world. Every unit in that trailer has a counterpart in the tabletop game. Woohoo! Wow. So, yeah, we're going to see them as a release for the old world when it comes, which again is probably still a few years ago. <laughs> obviously, they've said that your existing Warhammer Fantasy armies will be compatible. I've got a feeling that Forge World are going to be like, you can use that old Empire army you've had for about 20 years, but look at all these awesome new armies that we've released. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't mind. Yeah, I, I'm, especially when it comes to the old world, I'm sort of, I, I'm almost planning which army I want to do by like bigging up these armies in my head and thinking, you know what, I'm going to do this if it comes out. Like there's rumours that they're going to be doing the... Um, pirate vampires and stuff a vampire, oh, coast. The vampire coast yeah <laughs> uh, but when i saw this trailer for the uh, cafe stuff and those spoilers big statues come alive at the end and the balloons and stuff i was just like yeah i'm sold i it, yeah <laughs> uh, i've always been a massive dwarf fan but the dwarfs are really gonna have to up their game if they want to take the cafe <laughs> stuff got dragon they've got guns they've got floating islands it's like warhammer and mr pandaria had a baby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it looks very so, cool yeah. and that is, that is all the non gen con news we've got today excellent stuff uh some some really cool stuff in there um i need to watch uh law law uh, law master that's one thing i've not watched on warhammer plus yet 
Uh, I think it's time to take another pause, so we'll be right back. Now, before we start talking about all the exciting Gen Con stuff, uh, we thought it would make a little bit of sense to go through our top three, first of all, um, because we're going to cover quite a bit of the new content in there. So for the top three this week, we are going to be looking at reveals from Gen Con, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, we're going to go through each of our top threes um, all together, um, and uh, hopefully with there being four of us, um, it should be a bit, bit bit of a smoother operation. So let's start with you, Jay. What were your top three reveals from Gen Con? Starting with your third choice. Starting with my third choice. So, yeah, I really enjoyed Gen Con. Actually, it was very, very good. Um, my third choice, I think, is going to be the last thing I saw, which was the um, really creepy trailer for Warcry. Um, yeah, Warcry Red Harvest. Yeah. Um, uh, this, like, incy-wincy spider nursery rhyme. Um, they've attacked the Varen Spire. They're never going back up there again. And I think, really, this reveal raise more questions than answered so what we do know <laughs> is that something's coming for Warcry, but what we don't know is what that's going to be <laughs> yeah so, um, so what we know what we know that under uh, as we found out in um the broken realm series um archeon is mining varanite which is a bit of the realm stone that is beneath the varan spire in vast kind of like caves and lake um like kind of uh molt, molten kind of magma caves down there uh, and he's mining it to try and get enough to breach the doors to his ear. Now, I can only assume that while doing this, he's disturbed things that maybe you don't want to disturb. Because if you think any creatures that are maybe feeding on a very mutative, chaos-powered realm stone, it probably isn't going to be something that you want to find crawling around your house, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's sort of like it's chaos scuttles or something like that was the, was the tagline, yeah. wasn't it? So, I mean, we've I'm seen... Thinking horrific chaos spiders jay oh man and that would be it's something that no one's we've never sort of guessed that that could be coming or you know if you were talking spiders you'd be thinking like those night goblin scuttlers we saw in silver tower or mm. the spider fan got grots from from uh, gloom spike gets but actually chaos spider a, a race of chaos spiders maybe aligned to no god maybe some new chaos god i think that sounds really really interesting yeah um and like you could you could see them being like you know almost like a great civilization that's sort of been corrupted over time into this shadowy sort of spidery sort of. Um... What was the what was the race out of Warcraft? I'm kind of thinking pretty much that Jay. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what they were now, but yeah. So I think I think that could be New really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was my number three choice. I, um, we've not played much Warcry to be fair. Uh, me and Dave dabbled with it a little bit when it first came out and it's actually a very cool system and we should probably give it a try um, I should yeah do. we should do i've got all the war bands i need to paint them up it's i've got a feeling that red harvest might be a new addition of the game as well yeah uh, I, I, I really like the fact that the mechanics are so are so different than age of sigmar and it's and obviously we've got the new kill team now but back then when that launch we were like why wasn't the new 40k why wasn't 40k kill team a different mechanic like Warcry is to age of sigmar and obviously they've they fixed that now um, but yeah, I really enjoyed playing that. Okay, choice number two. Sticking with the sort of small-scale skirmish miniatures games, um, it's the um, new Kill Team. Kill Team Chow, Chow something, is it? Chow Nath. Yeah. Now, I mean, we were expecting Kill Team, but I don't think I was expecting Tau and Sisters of Battle, especially with Sisters of Battle having two codexes, a whole load of new plastics, and now they've got this new unit inside here, these neophytes. 
Um, but also the Tau. The Tau look really cool in this. The Pathfinders. And I was I was looking closely thinking, are they new models? Are they new models? I can't see any new models in there. But it's an upgrade kit for the Tau Pathfinders. And I'm not too bothered about that. I actually think it's a nice looking upgrade kit. Um, there's a couple yeah. of new weapons in there, a couple of new poses, um, some yeah, nice well, new helmets and things. Something that the Warhammer community shared today. You can build 16 different types of operative using the new Pathfinder team. <laughs> That's really, really wow. cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Kill Team. Uh, Tau, the Tau Kill Team, actually, is, is a Kill Team that I actually want to want to try playing with. Um, I've used the Custodies. They're a bit broken in Kill Team. I think they're very, very strong. Um, but So the Pathfinder team was the, the, the one I was drawn to next. And um, I'm really excited for this one. So this was a I was well chuffed to see the new Kill Team had Tau in it and the new sisters as well. They look like the uh, what were those ones from More Time called? <laughs> oh yeah, I know what you mean. The the, the kind of Sigmarite cult. Um, yeah. I forget where they are. So these are Novitiates. These Novitiates, are sisters. Right. These are uh, they they're trainee sisters of battle who haven't become full fledged battle sisters. And in order to pass their I don't know final battle sister exams, they've got to go to the battlefield. Now, in the initial pictures that we saw, they were all like close combat armed and looked quite cool. But they've shown today that you can actually just build them with auto guns. It's like a oh, cheap wow. kind of like uh, shooting <sighs> unit. Oh, the auto guns. You're talking about, uh, right, I've seen some artwork today of, of a Tau holding a sister hostage with like a gun. <laughs> he's like, man, he's the last Tau alive. Got this sister in like a headlock. And there's these other sisters running towards him. And I thought, they look like Finn Bolters. They're auto guns. Nice. Auto guns, yeah. So, and again, it builds a whole range of different operatives. Which is, we, we mentioned in our review of the kind of compendium that really for those older kits are a bit limited compared to like the Death Corps of Krieg and the Commandos who've got so many options. You know, you yeah. can't build every option out of the box. With the Pathfinders being able to do 16 different units, amazing. And it looks like these Novitiates are going to have a load of different options as well. I, I mean, there, there, there's no secret. Games which have said that every quarter there's going to be a box like this with two factions. I think that's a great thing. There's also what looks like new scenery in the box. Now, there was a while ago some um, kind of city uh, scenery sprues that came out around time of the original Kill Team. These kits look slightly different. Now, they're all modular. They're all modular, but it does look like different like fascias on them. So yeah. it looks like all of these boxes will have new scenery kits in. Yeah, yeah, which is which is safe. really really cool, and I'm really excited to see what what the future holds for Kill Team. If we're getting two upgraded or new uh, sets of models in, in on both sides, that that's going to be really great going forward. So I, I mean, I could see like um, uh, like um, Dark Elder upgrade kits with additional Dark Elder weapons yeah. and things like that. Um, even even Craftworld Guardians getting a bit of a refresh with an upgrade kit, Storm Guardian weapons, new flamers, stuff like that. That's it. It, uh, gives, it gives those older kids a bit of a second wind because obviously there'll be 40k options for these guys as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, I was really chuffed to see that. But my number one choice, what really, 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 really pleased me to see was finally the Black Templars launch box. Yeah. Um, so we know now that this is coming in October with um, a Redemptor Dreadnought, um, a, a squad of um, Crusaders, which are Primaris Marines in regular Primaris armor and a new form of Primaris Scout armor. Um, a Sword Brother leading them, which is an amazing model. He, he was the one that was the silhouette of him on the Gen Con banner. Um, a new Marshal, um, really, really nice. I think he's either going to be like a Captain equivalent or a Lieutenant equivalent, perhaps. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was so cool to see these. But I think what really, really I was really, really pleased to see with these ones was the limited edition codex. 
that cover for the limited edition codex just blew me away. The old third edition um, yeah. Warhammer 40k rulebook cover, wasn't it, with the black Templars all sort of like in a like standing on top of a big mound fighting off uh, their enemies. It is. It's one of those like iconic John Blanche artworks, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, so as we saw with a lot of the, well, with all of these launch boxes, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's more Black Templar models to come, and we can only yeah. sort of guess at this point what they may be. Um, we already know what one of them is going to be, thanks to the uh, Warcom article today, and that is the Primaris Helbrecht. It looks so, so good. <laughs> oh, I mean, this guy is so badass. He has a guy to carry his motor gun and a guy to clean his sword while it's embedded in his chest. <laughs> oh man, this this mo- this model there's there's always a model that comes along and it's just like I want to collect that army. Um, the marshal in the launch box nearly did it for me, but this guy, oh man, it's so tempting. Really, really cool. Yeah, I, I, I might have to just paint one. It, it, it's we've said this a few times now, but some of the like plastics they're putting out are as good as some of the Forge World Collector series. Oh, yeah, easily, yeah. easily. I mean, this model is, is there, yeah. If you didn't want it, I mean, he, he, we talk often about models that make you want to start armies. This is definitely a model that would make people want to start armies. But you're right, Matt, you could just grab this model to paint him up. He's like up there with Gilliman, Abaddon, the High Lord for the Sisters of Battle, the Primark mm-hmm. models from Forge World, where you don't necessarily have to go out and buy a whole army. You can just buy that model and paint it up. And then it, you may decide then, oh, actually, I'm going to add some more models to this. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he's great, and and I mean, the, it, it, they've sort of they showed some artwork, which I, I, I can't recall who who did the artwork for um, uh, the old black and white artwork of Helbert. But basically, this model is identical to the old artwork, pretty much. Um, and we've seen that a lot with the Primaris Marines, where they've sort of like Mephiston was just sort of a slight tweak into the original Mephiston model. Mm. Um, where they're really true to the sort of heritage of the model and the character. So I really like that. So yeah, that was my number one choice, the Black Templars. I cannot wait to order this launch box, get this launch box in my hand, get them built. And I can't wait for wave two of the Black Templars. This year, the Black Templars are going on a crusade. Amazing. Excellent stuff. Um, Andy, what was your uh, your top three for the Gen Con reveals? Uh, so my top three... Um, uh, not too dissimilar from what Jay... Jay's list was, but slightly, slightly different. So my number three choice is something that I've never really played with, and that's Blood Bowl. Nah. Obviously, we got what could only be described as a very bloody, and I can assume aggressive team in the corn Bloodbound. No, these are passes. These do a lot of passing. It's yeah. Like passing game. Well, not not when I'm playing with them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, these are these are the school tribe slaughterers. A very much uh, they've got the aesthetic of the the AOS corn uh, morsels yes. now, haven't they? Yeah, I think that's what really drew me to them. Um, for me, painting up some bloodways last year, I absolutely loved them, and I can't wait to get my hand on some of the actual plastic ones. But seeing the Blood Bowl team, seeing them in such dynamic poses. And while they are, you know, clearly corn worshippers, they're not too far down the rabbit hole, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, haven't, they haven't crossed that line. They've crossed a few lines, but not quite gone full demon, rip your skull off your head kind of madness. During a game, yeah. Um, and uh, some of the Blood Bowl teams don't really appeal to me too much. They, 
some of them sort of like they look a bit too cartoony for me maybe it's the paint jobs they've done but yeah for me the um the corn blood bowl team really really stood out um is is one that i would like to just build and paint just as like a one-off little project you know what my favorite part about this box is andy it's got two corn gores in it and i've said for a long time bring back corn gores bring back pesta gores we can have a glorious beast of chaos army for aos again yeah that, that's my dream at some point a beast of chaos army as well <laughs> uh, yeah too many dreams <laughs> um my second choice takes us to the realm of ulgu of a realm Ooh. of shadow yeah and that is uh harrow deep which i believe is season five of underworlds now i i lose track of the seasons yeah. we've had a fair few of them now haven't we yeah season five that's right yeah, I already know that because I was doing my research when I did the um, Arena Mortis uh, review the other day. Yeah, and looking at the Stormcast, I mean, the Stormcast warbands are always really nice, aren't they? And they're one of those that, um, especially with the Stormcast Battle Tome, is something that I would like to paint up at some point this year. So the nice little testers, um, that's kind of how I look at Underworld warbands. I kind of look at them as almost testers for like color schemes and stuff for for larger projects yeah uh, you know what uh, I'd, I'd argue that if you're I mean, about an army buy the underworld's yeah. warband for it and see if you get on painting it you did the same with skaven didn't you dave i did i did indeed yeah uh, and i also when i fancied a, a fire slayers I, I bought and painted the fire slayer warband i mean i didn't convert that into a full army but it did scratch that itch yeah yeah and and looking at um the um the southern the narrative aspect um uh, the realm of shadow is something that we've we've not really touched on it's kind of like been hinted at a little bit especially with like marafi and what she does and stuff like it's been it's yeah. been hinted at a little bit but obviously hopefully with season five coming out with harrow deep coming out being set in um realm of shadow hopefully some of the narrative gets drawn towards it as well when we get well to this it. is it beat this grave and diachasm were setting gur and obviously the current season of age of sigma are setting gur so obviously we know these are annual so by the time we were a few war bands deep by the time of general's handbook 2022 could that be set in all goo and we see a story arc involving marathi malarian slanesh finally escaping actually yeah there's a lot of potential so yeah harrow deep is the name of the set They've said they've changed quite a few things in here as well. So there's now um, Grand Alliance specific cards rather than Warband lock cards. So there'll be cards you can use in any order Warband. They've also introduced um, something new, which is something that you kind of always had in the past, uh, but they've kind of locked it down a little bit. And um, it is called Rivals. In Rivals uh, format, you use a pre-constructed deck that is the deck you use for that warband, making it the most accessible underworlds to get into. I love that because obviously in the more recent ones, you could do that because every box that you bought came with a pre-built deck. But there's nothing rules wise to stop your opponent from just building a really cheesy deck to use against you. Where this one, you can just rule to play. And we can't, we used to do it as a house rule anyway, but there is now a supported game system where you use that approved deck. That is a deck that goes with the warband. I really like that from a a not having to collect all the warbands and get all the cards point of view and b arguably tournament play because it's then it's down to skill of the player not what cards you've got yeah. yeah and i think as well for casual players that's a godsend because like you say 
games where you 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 build a deck, you tweak your deck, you tune a deck, they're great as long as you've got the time and effort and player base to put, you know, to, to be able to do that to refine your deck. And, and I and I might be really into Underworlds, but you might not be. And I say, right, Matt, I really want a game, and we have a game. You only play once every four or five months. You're, you know, your deck's out of date. You don't stand a chance against my deck, which I'm testing every other weekend against other opponents. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really cool. And then the the kind of construction bit's not going away. So now there's basically two game modes. There's kind of like tournament play and then rivals play, which I guess is <laughs> narrative and match play, I guess, is the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so um, Harrow Deep for me, uh, yeah, that, that was easily my number uh, two choice. Um my first choice, however, was indeed the Black Templars. Because I, I know Jay's been super excited about these for, you know, ever since they were announced. And, you know, we got to see that um, Intercessor with the Pyro Blaster, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago. And again, that was that was super cool. But it wasn't until we really saw this launch box sort of come in and we got to see this Crusade squad really sort of emerge but i really started to get excited for it now don't get me wrong i don't like the hellbreak model simply because of the fact that it's got a dead orc on its base <laughs> i thought picked... of you as soon as i saw that i thought of you <laughs> i'm gonna have to get i'm gonna get um andy to paint this orc for me up on the base <laughs> i'm both touched and hurt at the same time jay <laughs> um but yeah no look looking at um the black Templar stuff one of the things that i i love about um a lot of the models that Game Touch should do is that they, they almost reek of character. Um, one of the reasons why I love Space Wolves um, so much is because every model in a box can, you know, come without a helmet, can look individual, can look unique. And looking at these Crusader squads, they kind of look the same. They kind of look like, you know, they each one tells a different story. Um, each one has, you know, its own personality, and it, it, but at the same time, they look like a cohesive unit on the tabletop. And I really like the Marshall um, because, for me, he really, really shows off what the Black Templars are. They are effectively knights from medieval times in space. Yeah. And yeah, look, see, seeing the launch box. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Redemptor Dreadnought sort of. Uh, it kind of just looks like a normal Redemptor Dreadnought. It is just a normal Redemptor Dreadnought. That that was my disappointment with the box, really, that they didn't do something special with the Redemptor. Because the Redemptor is a nice kit, but it's an old kit, really. You know, first range of Primaris. Yeah, I, I think if they'd thrown like an upgrade sprue um, just in there, just to spice that up, that would have been cool. But, I mean, we get the Emperor's Champion in the box as well, which if you're going to do Black Templars, you're going to have an Emperor's Champion in the box or in your army, aren't you? So, um, yeah, I, I, looking at the Black Templar stuff, I think um, if you're going to jump into Black Templars, perfect way to do it. And the fact that you get that with the limited edition codex, which, like you said, for nostalgia value um, is great. So, yeah, Black well, Templars jumped to the top of the queue for me. Excellent. Cool. Um, I'll run through mine uh my third choice uh is running along the same lines as you andy was uh harrow deep the new Wonderworlds box no secret that i'm a big fan of the stormcast and the cruel boys the fact that they're both in this starter box is is brilliant you mentioned how nice the stormcast models were i actually really like the cruel boys as well including the hobgrots 
Um, so yeah, really nice looking warband. And I like the changes that you um, just mentioned then as well, Matt. We just need to play more of it. We've not played Underworlds for ages. So maybe we'll we get really... back on it with season five. Absolutely, yeah. I think we I think we definitely need to do that. Um, my second choice is something that hasn't been covered yet, and that is uh, the new Necromunda content we saw. But I'm gonna I'm gonna specifically pick out not the warband, although the warband is very cool. It's the market. Oh, the underhive market. <laughs> I mean, that's just absolutely brilliant. Such such a cool scenery set. Um, and I think this would work. Um, I mean, you can see hints of it in the in the image that we can see on the Warcom article. But like, I think of how your board looks, Matt, with your your uh, zone mortalis tiles and buildings with these dotted around as well. You're gonna have such a um, thematic place to play your games in Necrom- Necromunda. Yeah. Well, my next my next planned board because I've got I've got like a couple of like bespoke tiles and a lot of modular stuff because I think you need a few kind of like centerpiece bespoke ones just to give you a bit of height and interest on the table. And then my next bespoke kind of tile was going to be like a shanty town with mm. some like storage containers converted into shops and bars and stuff. That's so I'm going to hold fire idea. until this kit comes out and then have like a multi-level kind of proper you know think hovel. Um, Blade Runner style dregs of society living on the bottom in mm. little kind of shanties and stuff. It's going to look amazing. Yeah. And it comes with some Ming vases as well. They're probably <laughs> fake. I won't buy them. <laughs> well, see, I one of my hobby resolutions was to build the Necromunda board, um, but I'm probably going to use the old uh, um, City and Parialis uh, tiles, which I know is going to kind of break the recommended game size for Necromunda, but it gives us um, another way of playing uh, when we're doing like our campaigns and stuff. Uh, and I could definitely see some of these market stores next to some of the buildings, next to some of the roads. I think it'll look really, really cool. Well, uh, don't forget, don't forget one of those tiles is the recommended size for Necromunda because they're bigger yeah. than the, they're exactly four yeah. times bigger than the, the Zone Mortalis ones. Yeah. So yeah, it should be really, really good fun. And I'm going to try and make it as jam packed as possible while still being playable. So Really like that. But my top choice, I'm, I'm going to go with Jay and I'm going to go with Andy. And my top choice was that Black Templars <laughs> box. Um, mainly for, um, well, mainly for everything. So I really like the Marshall model. I think that's one of the best Space Marine characters I've, like, captain kind of models I've ever seen. Um, the, the, the the Sergeant, the um, Sword Brethren looks amazing. The Emperor's Champion looks amazing. Um, and I think the Redemptor does look good in black. So, um, but I do play Death Watch, so of course I would say that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's an incredible box. Um, yeah, really, really good. Matt, do you want to finish us off with your uh, your top three? Well, this works out amazingly well. I couldn't have planned it better because I cover all of the other reveals that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> so in third place, I've got the Kill Team starter set. So obviously we mentioned that there's the Chalnath box coming out, which is the kind of next chapter of the story. I think this is going to be something that Everyone's going to be buying a £100 Kill Team box every quarter, I think. But um, obviously that Octarius box was a limited release. So they are bringing out a proper startup set. Obviously, they've done this for AOS and 40K as well. A kind of more easy entry point without the big price tag. Uh, and it looks really good. You get scenery. Unfortunately, you don't get any of those orc buildings. But you get a lot of barricades and you get a, a playing surface. You get a recruit edition book. 
which has uh, tutorial missions. This is pretty much how to play Kill Team. And you know what? I think that's going to be really helpful because there's some concepts that still experienced players are kind of getting a bit uh, kind of tongue twisted on. And the, the cover and line of sight rules are quite complex in Kill Team, aren't they? So having a, a kind of a, a book talk you through those stages will be really good. You also get a Diddy sized core rule book in paperback as well which is, again, really great for throwing in your bag. You also get the uh, Commandos and the Death Corps Krieg that were available within the Octarius box as well. So this looks like a really good way of somebody who didn't maybe want the... Because it was quite expensive, wasn't it? £125 Octarius. Um, maybe a more kind of... I'm thinking £60 to £80 pound price tag for this. Mm, as a more kind yeah. of manageable way of getting into the game and having everything that you need to play, all the tokens and, and uh, templates and stuff. And at the same time, they are releasing the Commandos and the Krieg separately. Interestingly, they've got Kill Team branding on the boxes. Oh, right. OK. But but the Commandos are a valid unit in uh, the, the they're in the Orc Codex and the uh, the Death Corps Krieg are branded as veteran guardsmen. And they've got all the different weapon options for veterans. So I wouldn't be too worried that obviously a lot of people are hoping that we see some more Krieg following this. I wouldn't say that the fact that this isn't a kill team box rules out the possibility of Death Corps Krieg in the future. It's just calming people down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And it means that if you just play kill team, you know you can pick up that box and that's your kill team. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that looks really, really fun. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, my second choice was the new uh, out, out, Outlaws for uh, Necromunda. Oh, yeah, yeah. So these are really, really cool. Um, now, obviously, we've we've done the six houses they've all got support and they said that the final quarter of the year there's going to be some uh, non-house specific stuff coming out and we saw a hint of that with uh, the recent uh, i forget her name lady whatever her face was the kind of named character they released recently and she kind of uh, it's a bit of a kind of a, a a fallen house lord who looks after all the outcasts and outlaws and all the the scum and villainy and this looks like a really cool plastic kit where you can build um, hangers-on, bounty hunters, all the random kind of people that you can pick up. Like if you're playing, you play Orlocks, Dave, and you yeah. can hire a few different like random bodies, can't you? You could yeah. pick up this box and there's a load of weapon options to do that. But what you can also do is build them as an outlaw gang for a kind of a band of criminals and the like, which segues nicely into my number one choice, the book of the outcasts. So it's no secret. I'm a massive fan of Necromunda. I absolutely loved the, uh, the house of books. Now we're going back to the book of books that came before then with a book of the outcast. So this is rules for playing those outcasts. And it looks like it's going to be a bit more free form, a bit like the rules that we saw for the bounty hunters where you have got a lot of freedom in how you build your gang because it isn't abiding by the rules of the houses. It is just a collection of unsavory types who have a common uh, cause. So they've given some examples that it could be a charismatic psyker who's gathered together all these people as like a cult around him. Or it could be, I don't know, ex-guilders from the slaver guild who with their resources and cash have put together a bit of a a military force around them or it could be a, a noble lord who's gathered together their house support and it mentions here that obviously you can use a lot of the figures that forge would have released over the years to put together a really interesting looking warband using some of those non-gang aligned forces yeah yeah so it looks really really fun 
I will absolutely be doing an Outcast gang because I think that's kind of why I was drawn to the uh, Bounty Hunters when I did my Van- Venator Bounty Hunter gang because it's the same kind of concept. You you have profiles that you buy with your credits and then you find a suitable miniature to represent that. And I think it's basically like an updated version of that. So really looking forward to that and all of the other Necromunda content. I think in all, it was a really good Gen Con, wasn't it? It was, it was. Um I'll be honest, I was expecting a lot of like kind of board gamey sort of stuff like, um, you know, that are good for, you know, casual sort of players and stuff, but not really of interest to us. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't that which was which was ace. I mean, when you think about it, Necromunda, Warcry, Blood Bowl, Kill Team, Underworlds, they are arguably boxed games that you could sell in a shop, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. They so are. There, was, there was less focus on 40k and AOS because... Again, it wasn't that kind of show, uh, yeah. and it, it just shows that. I mean, it's pretty much the specialist game show, wasn't it? And they are uh, embracing those and giving them loads of support. Um, notable absences: Aaron Orsiger. Obviously, we've got the new edition we knew six months ago that hasn't come out yet, and no mention of Titanicus. I'd have liked to have seen a nod towards the um, the the Traitorous Titan Legions book because I, I'm desperate to know the corrupted Titan rules. Uh, but other than that, amazing show. Really enjoyed it. Um, I imagine we'll probably get another reveal soon to see the releases coming up to the end of the year for the mainline games as well. Yeah, an online preview. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we did, still don't know what the uh, Chaos Battle Tome is, and that's supposedly coming out next month, isn't it? So. It is, yeah. Now, obviously, whether things have been pushed back because Black Templars were meant to be this month and they're next month and... The Uruks and Stormcast are meant to be last month, and they've come this month, so everything might have had a bit of a knock-on effect. But yeah, I'd expect in the next couple of weeks to see some kind of sign of the future there. Yeah, excellent. Um, that really covers um, Genka. I think I think that covers all the reveals, doesn't it, Matt? It does, yeah. Yeah, excellent stuff. We're going to take another pause, and we'll be right back. So last week we delved into one of the two new battle tomes, the first new battle tomes for Age of Sigma 3.0, and that was Stormcast Eternals. We have now got time to talk about the second book that was released at the same time. That was the Oruk War Clans. Now, those Oruk fans out there, you will have had chance to pick up the book, so you may very well have it in your hands right now. So what we're going to do in this segment is we're going to talk about some of our favourite bits from the book. We're also going to point out a few things that we might not like uh, and just generally have a discussion about the book. Now, my both, well, myself, Matt and Andy all have a copy of this, um, which which will make this a lot easier. And also, me and Matt did have a game uh, yesterday at, at the time of recording. So I think we're going to kick things off really with that, Matt, because um, I think that was a really good sort of starting point for some of the new rules and stuff that, that came up. Um, so Matt was using um, the new Stormcast. Uh, I think you mentioned it was it's basically like two lots of the Dominion box plus a few extras. Yeah, pretty much. So so the core of it was built around two copies of Dominion. I didn't take any Praetors because I thought eh, most of Scott Ward saves anyway, so I don't really need them. So by dropping them, that made me let me take a unit of Fulminators. Fulminators, obviously, I mentioned last week. I think are one of the best units in the book. Uh, Andy, you were just mentioning that you watched the battle report. They they hit like a truck, don't they, on the charge? Yeah, I, I've had the unfortunate pleasure of playing against them a while ago, and yeah, even yeah, big unit of forty uh, Arab boys can uh, disappeared to two of them. So yeah, <laughs> they're, they're pretty scary. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously so, we had um, Indrasta there, and yeah, they were facing some uh, Iron Jaws, weren't they, Dave? Yeah. So on the, as we came to to a close with the old Oric Warclans book, I was playing a lot of the big war, so I was mixing Bone Splitters with Iron Jaws. Um, with this battle that we had yesterday, um, I decided to lean more into the angels. The main reason I wanted to take Kragnar, so I just finished painting him. I really wanted to use him, and I couldn't really make a good big wild list with what I've got. Um, so with Kragnar, so I decided to lean into the angel side of things. But it meant that I got to take advantage of um, quite a few of the new angels kind of things. Um, I think the first thing that jumps out, and you mentioned this last week, Matt, and I think it's a really, really positive change, is that I played the Bloodtooth clan. Uh, it, it made sense with my army build and also the fact that mine are painted red. Um, that these guys, w- when you choose your sub-faction, um, you don't have to take the artifact or command trait or anything. You just literally get some rules. Uh, some of them unlock uh, different battle lines. So, for example, it unlocked Gorgrunters for me, which was great. Um, and it also let me use uh, Violent Fury for my War Chanter uh, on three different units instead of one. So straight away, like I can choose my own artifact, I can choose my own command trait, and it gave me a lot more freedom, and it was a lot more enjoyable building my army list. Yeah, I mean, I found that with the Stormcast, you could flick through the book and look at all the options where before it was kind of like a given, oh, I've got that artifact, I've got that command trait, right, okay. If I can get a second one in there somewhere, brilliant. But otherwise, it's it's no choice. So that's definitely a, a very good change that I've done in these books. Yeah, it, it almost felt like a lot of the stuff was almost like a tax just for playing, you know, just for one bonus or something like those. Oh, lines. yeah, to the point where some people wouldn't play that sub-faction just because the, the artifact wasn't very good compared to the really good one in a different sub-faction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we touched on it last week with the Stormcast book, but in short with the war clan but i don't think there's anything in here that i wouldn't take at least once yeah no, you've, got, the, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of variation you've got a lot of different bits and bobs you can put on there it's it's such a good change it's it's funny because actually it's funny you should say that matt that there's there's more <laughs> variety there's actually less options kind of hear me out there's less options in this book so if you played iron jaws with the previous book you had a full list of six artifacts you had a full and that that was for like the mega boss and then you had a load of shaman ones um this book because obviously they've had to include the cruel boys um instead they've kind of honed down how many artifacts uh and command traits you've got for each of the army so instead of having a choice of six command traits for your iron jaws you've only got a choice of three you've got three artifacts um you still have a full spell law um but like you say you haven't got the the tax of um you haven't got the tax of if you choose a clan having to take theirs and also uh, which i found dead helpful is you've you've got a real strong set of artifacts in the core rules as well that you mm. can dip into um so straight off the bat when i built my army list i wanted my mega boss on more crusher to be a bit more survivable there wasn't really anything in the auric war clans book so i i went for the amulet of destiny which spoiler alert does me an absolute solid in the the battle report which i will put a link to in the uh in this podcast um description so you can check it out um but i thought that was that was uh that was really cool um and going on sorry we've talked about artifacts quite a bit but it, with the previous book you kind of felt like you had to take a war scroll battalion because there's so many other decent artifacts so that you you know you'd have the one that you had to pick 
waved your clan and then there might be another one that you really wanted so you'd have to shoehorn in a war scroll battalion which meant you might build an army that you don't actually really like with units you might not really like now obviously with the new battalion system it's a lot easier to build the army that you want and still unlock that extra enhancement as it's, as it's now called and then either choose an artifact or another power um which i thought was um was really good yeah it's it is how did you find the iron jaws then dave compared to how you previously found them um, so the overall impression is you're still playing the Iron Jaws in the same the same way. Like I said, towards the end, I played the big one more than the Iron Jaws, but they kind of shared similar traits. Mighty Destroyers is one of the big draws to the Iron Jaws still. Um, you do lose out on fighting in the hero phase now, but it's still like an invaluable tool for getting your Oryx up the battlefield quicker. Um, you can make charges in the hero phase and you can still you can use it to pile in in the combat phase, which... Uh, in the hero phase which would do some kind of like maybe i'm not quite that tactical yet but i can see the opportunity to kind of do some movement shenanigans well in combat if, you're in facing, hero phase. if you're facing things that maybe stop you from piling in in the combat phase being able to pile in in the hero phase is potentially a massive bonus Absolutely. yeah um, and also if you've got like a unit that's sort of on the fringe of the combat that's not really drawn in if you're able to pile in and get within three inches of it, all of a sudden it's engaged. And so in their turn, you know, if, and I imagine if you're going to do this, I know it's in your hero face, but um, if you're going to do this, you, you do it in such a way that it traps another unit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you, 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 you guys on the fringe just tag another unit and then that's... An, yeah. a, 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 it stops um, Unleash Hell as well because it's in the hero phase, so they can't... Yeah. Stop it. it! Yeah, I think there's going to be some sneaky tactical ploys for that, Dave. That's how you sort out those salamanders, uh, <laughs> uh, Andy. Shame you can't use my destroyers in the Sons of Bear, my army. Yeah. Um, the, another really big change, and something that I completely forgot about after turn one um, in our battle was that with a mega boss on Moor Crusher, when he issues a command ability, he can actually choose three different units to do that command ability on, which yeah. is really powerful so we just mentioned mighty destroyers imagine doing that on three units that's really going to get your oryx up the battlefield quicker all that defense all that attack it's such a strong ability i can't believe i forgot it after turn one because there were moments with like the more crusher was issuing command abilities to himself that he could have actually been buffing units around him mm. um which i think would have would have really really helped um if you take the mega boss on, on foot he can he can still do that but only to two Gordrak's interesting because he has the same ability as the Mega Boss and More Crusher. He can pick three different units, but instead of being tied to the Iron Jaws keyword, he can do it to any friendly models, which is amazing. So we're talking, let's just put it out there, Kragnos. Um, if you you can ally in Gloom Spike Git, so you could you could do it with those. Um, or, if you... or you know those massive big bows of bazillion mortal wounds. Unleash hell with three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a in a big war army. So uh, I think that's 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 very very cool. Um, one is is a is a is a really important unit for the angels. So it's why I'm covering them a bit more than I would anything else. But a lot of internet um, criticism was the fact that the the build that everybody took of the more crusher, which is the one with the the um, the, the two weapons whilst you get more attacks you've only got a four plus save you have to have the rip two fist now to go up to the three plus save you previously had 
Games Workshop, we know, have precedence in doing this. They see that one build people aren't using, so they buff it, and they'll slightly make some tweaks to the other build. You know, straight away, I'm tempted to, to buy another one to, to build one with a Rip 2 Fist. So I've got the one with the 3-plus save, which with all that defense, I could potentially take up to a 2-plus. But in that game that we had, Matt, it, it didn't really seem to hinder him. I mean, I did have the Amulet of Destiny, which did bail him out. But, but arguably, you're going to have that on him anyway, so do you need yeah. the plus one save? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you you know, you've you've still got Mystic Shield. You've still got all that defense um, to get him up to at least a three plus save, which he's, he's got more wounds now. He's got 18 wounds. He's still gaining wounds back when he kills Model at the end of the combat phase. So there's plenty of scope for him to stay alive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did really well during the battle. He, I, I didn't kill him. I... I Really, it was a bit of a, a trap and a tar pit, and I stayed in combat with him way too long. I should have, I should have fallen back with everything apart from the Vindictors, left them to just keep him causing mortal wounds for himself, and got Kragnos to charge Indrasta mm. because yeah. he'd go in, I'd do all-out defense, two plus save. She's got a four plus ward save. She probably wouldn't be dead, and then she can happily just pull. Uh, Kragnos to pieces because he hasn't got that five plus ward save on him. No, no. We, we found in that game that Kragnos was actually fallen a lot to Stormcast Mortal Wounds when he died. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where all the damage came from there. Um, so yeah, I think I think he's still a, a key unit in the army. Um, a unit I would have liked to have used better because I believe these guys have been have been buffed in the new book are the Brutes. So I only had one unit of five of them. Um, the big thing for me on their war scroll now is the fact that they, um, if they're on an objective, um, if you've got, if your opponent has a, a load of one wound models also on that objective, they, they don't, they, they can't contest it. So you could have 40 skeletons and five brutes. The five brutes would have that objective. Yeah, it, it, especially when you go into an event and stuff like that, it, it, it's super useful to have. But again, because it's a wound characteristic of one, there's so many units out there that it's not going to apply against. Um, That's true. Um, it, but... It's a huge buff. Like the, the issue that Iron Jaws had previously with like uh, previous battle times was Brutes were always competing with Gore Grunters and Ard Boys. And now this is a huge incentive to take them. Not only because with the jagged gore hackers they get like um, minus two rend, but also this rule, you know, you point them at the right objective, and it's yours, you know. So yeah, I, I do like them. I think it's it's funny that you mentioned Ard Boys then, um, because I didn't, even though I had the book for for a few days that yeah picked up off Matt, um, it didn't occur to me how much the Ard Boys had been hit. Um, I used to always love running a unit of 10 in the previous book, give them Violent Fury. Um, they they would always do me a solid amount of work. I don't think they're as great anymore. Obviously, the reinforcement rule hit them a little bit because I know some people took them in, in squads of 15 and 20. 15 is the maximum you can you can put them in a unit of That's now. That's two that reinforcement use, points, isn't that it? Use all, yeah, two reinforcement points. Um, they don't have any rend. Um, they do have the ability to rally on a four plus if they're within range of a war chanter, which is very good. Um, but I think now, and also the fact that they're older models as well, I think brutes are edging it for me. I think I want to buy some more brutes. 
Yeah, yeah. see, see, the, the 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 rally one is kind of at odds because you want them in combat, don't you? Yeah. And you can't rally while they're within three inches of an opponent. No, well, that's that's very true. Yeah. So, um, and there's there's a lot of stuff. You know, you command points. They're not. You don't get tons of them. Um, and is using one to rally a few hard boys. A valuable use of a command point i would argue yeah, not maybe it depends it depends on the mission you know if you there's a lot of missions where you've got a kill battle line that's that started on the battlefield on a yeah. four plus you're going to get a big chunk of hard boys back yeah yeah see i i look at hard boys and like i i love the black oak models from like warhammer fantasy they were a standout unit for me and looking at the hard boys with the new book again they've like you said they've taken a little bit of a nerf haven't they but that yeah. just makes Brutes and Gorgrunters, you know, that that little bit more appealing. But when you actually sort of like look at the synergies of the book, and this is something that I think this book does a lot better than the Stormcast book, because it synergizes very well. Mm. They haven't really been that nerfed. If anything, they've been a little bit buffed. So they they now have three attacks, which is one more than they had previously. You get plus, they, they hit on fours, but then again, you got to factor in, you're going to have, you know, a mega boss or more crusher uh, given all out attack. So if you take, you know, two units of 10 hard boys, you can buff both of them with the same command point. Mm. And, and even if there's no hero nearby, the, the unit champion can buff them. So you can get them hitting on freeze again. They're still yeah. wounded on freeze. The rend, okay, that's a little bit of an issue for them. But again, that's why you take brutes and gore grunters with the, the jacket gore hackers and well, stuff for the, the red. There's actually there's actually another rule which, as as you were talking then, Andy, uh, I, I, I you know remembered to talk about, is now in this book, um, each of the different three flavors of Oryx, So we're talking about the Angels at the moment. They each get their own flavor of awar, which you can call once per battle uh, at the start of um, a particular phase. So for the Angels at the start of the charge phase you can call a war and what that basically that this is if your general is still alive and um, what that means is your entire army then or all your angels units are then plus one to charge and importantly they've got an extra rend on the weapons so you could actually get your hard boys with a minus one rend just for that one um turn which is which is pretty cool yeah and, and when you think about it to to get them hitting on freeze wounding on freeze with minus one rend and yeah, all right, fine. They start off with one damage, but you're going you're gonna to have a war chanter, aren't you? The war chanter's plus one damage buff. You don't have to roll a dice for it. But no. all out attack, you don't have to roll a dice for it. It costs you a command point, but again, you can do it on multiple units. And the war ability, the only thing you have to have is your general alive on the table. So let's face again, it, if it's the guy in the more crusher with the amulet, he's, he's going to be alive. Yeah. So again, none of those buffs require you to roll any dice whatsoever. And then the hard boys are exactly the same as they were, but with plus one attack. Yeah, yeah. It just means you have to have the right things in the right places, doesn't it, for, for, it, yeah. to, for it to work. And, and like I say, it only works for a turn. But that, you know, you could, that one turn, I guess, could make it a big difference. I still think, um, I'm still a little bit disappointed in the hard boys in this book, but... Um, I can yeah. see they still they still have their they still have their uses, um, which is um, which is very very cool. Um, Gorgrunts I don't think have really changed much. Um, 
I think the Angels still very much play like they used to. Um, they still have Smashing and Bashing as well, which I don't think came up in our game, Matt. So I don't think I forgot about it. I don't no, think I don't it think ever came up. To, I think by the time you, when you did kill something was with the final unit, so you didn't have anything left to fight with. Yeah, or it was the only unit that was in combat or, or yeah. something like that. So, or obviously, it doesn't, you know, Kragnos isn't affected by that. So um, if Kragnos yeah. wiped the unit, then it doesn't really matter. Um, I've got so, a yeah. funny story about smashing and bashing just to so I was at um, I think it was one of the GT finals a couple of years ago and I was running Disciples of Zinch pure demons and I didn't realise my opponent had um, a battalion where he could move Gorgrunters up uh, 15 inches before the game begins (laughs) so he did he moved like 9 Grunters up and then moved a more crusher up and everything charged into my lines turn 1 and I had like a couple of units of 10 blue horrors and 10 pink horrors and all this sort of stuff. And there's a uh, more crusher went in, killed 10 pinks, which then triggered some gore grunters to attack, which then killed 10 blues, which then triggered another unit to attack, which then, and I wiped out, he wiped out about 1500 points of my zinch army <laughs> in his turn one. So yeah, I, I think if you get the right army and the right units, yeah, that smashing and bashing rule, you can decimate an opponent's army in the right place. Yeah, especially if you've got the war active as well. That's, oh, definitely. Uh, that's really, really brutal. Um, it's funny you mention that. I'll tell you what I was tempted to do, but I didn't do this to, to, to Matt, is with the more crusher, I mean, he's, he's made, he made a turn one charge anyway, but um, there's he's got a mount trait called Fasten, which once per battle in your hero phase, he can make a normal move. So what you could do is hero phase might destroy him, move him and two other units up. You then pop his mount trait and he then moves again. And then he's still got his full movement in his movement phase. So basically wherever you want to finish on the board, you're finishing. Um, yeah. I mean, as it was, we didn't start that far away from each other. And we st- I ended up in combat anyway and I didn't take it, but um yeah, there's some really nice, tasty combos um, with the with the Iron Jaws in, in in this book. Matt, I know you've been keeping quite because you've got some uh, Cruel Boys models yourself to um to to work on. I know you've been really interested in in that part of the book. Yeah, so, so the Cruel Boys are the more kind of sneaky offshoot of the Orcs. They 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 don't like to just run in the face and scream and whack them over the head. They prefer to go around the back and slit their throat or shoot them from a distance, which, you know, fits my play style a bit more. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I I really like the Cruel Boys. They get some really, really cool abilities. I've got the Poison Weapons, which is cool, and there's ways to buff the Poison Weapons with the big gribbly monster thing. I think, yeah, Sludge Raker, I think it's called, mm-hmm. which is really ace. So, you, could, you know, you can't bank on those sixes, but you can get it up to a five with the, the Shaman, get it doing an extra point of damage with the Sludge Raker. A unit of Gut Rippers on a lucky roll could put out a surprising amount of mortal wounds, mm-hmm. which is yeah. pretty terrifying. Um, what I really like with them are the dirty tricks. So the, the Cruel Boys don't go to battle, you know, unprepared. They will have already planted mines across the battlefield or sent a load of hobgrots on the other side of the field to make a load of noise to distract their opponents mm. it's really really cool so so noisy racket subtract one from wound rolls for all enemy units in the first battle round that's that's crazy good that's crazy yeah. good put in um mines that go off on a two plus on on terrain features or objectives that do d6 mortal wounds 
yeah, a, a lot of the missions that we've played for match play, you want to get on those objectives and start racking up the points. You're going to think twice if you might take six more wounds for jumping on an objective, though. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I really like about these dirty tricks is you don't have to write them on your army list. You nope. pick at the beginning of the game. So based on what you're fighting, and again, that fits the way the crawl boys would work. They're going, oh, well, this, you know, I don't like the look of them. Let's 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 go for a different plan for fighting these. Um, I I think for the for the crawl boys, the the standout stuff for me are the ranged units, which are crazy good, especially if you take them in a big yellows tribe. Where um, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty tasty in that. So the big yellows are the 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 the, the crew boys are pretty sneaky, but the big yellows are wimps compared to all the other ones, and they they mm. they do not like to be in a fight. They'd rather shoot somebody. Mm. Uh, they get extra range on their weapons. They get to re-roll ones for their hit shots. So so good. Um, and obviously you can take the ranged uh, infantry as battle line. I think all the time if there's a big yellow's army, I'd max out my um, my artillery quota with the massive crossbow of doom. And then on top of that, you then have all your core cool kind of like gribbly monster units that can go forwards and do some shenanigans. There's a way to um, teleport one of them anywhere on the battlefield in the first battle round, put a massive threat in your opponent's face yeah. to deal with while you pepper them with shots from everything else. Yeah, so yeah, really, really, really like the crawlers. I think I'm thinking I might make a kind of a grinning blades force and a big yellows force with a fairly neutral paint scheme that I can swap stuff between because I think a lot of this tricksy stuff would be really fun to play with. Uh, particularly the uh, I forgot what he's called the the marsh crawler is he, which yes. is just a plus one to hit for all friendly units. So stick that in a big wire army. You've got Kragnos on plus one to hit. You've got all your other Uruk on plus one to hit. So good. Uh, it's funny you should mention the Marsh Crawler, Matt. It's uh, something that's been doing the rounds on uh, the inter- internet today, um, which I believe is just flat out a mistake in the book, is he doesn't have the Cruel Boys keyword. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's pretty... I yeah. think it's an oversight. I mean, because people are like, oh, you can't take him in a pure Cruel, cruel Boys army. I think you can. I, that's clearly an oversight. Yeah, yeah, that's that's obviously a mistake because he's yeah. in the cruel boy section of the book. The book's split into three sections with the different tribes, so I think it's a bit of a stretch to claim that isn't a, it, that's what was intended. So I yeah, so um, a special rule, Kragnos, that allows him to to go into the into the armies because he yeah, when we came out in the Kragnos book, he said he he goes into any destruction army but doesn't benefit from allegiance abilities and stuff that's he? right yep he can go to any of them he always counts as a general and he doesn't affect that construction so if you want to do a cruel boys force with Kragnos, you absolutely can which is really fun it's, it's like um, it's like me yesterday I, I took him with my angels and it didn't affect you know i could still do mighty destroyers i could i still got all my angels special rules yeah there's some um there's some really nice stuff for all of them one of my standout units in the book though it's got to be the uh, the named fella on the vulture. Gobsprack. Uh, Gobsprack, yeah. So when he unbinds spells, he makes your head explode. He can unbind on 3d6. He's a quick caster. And he's got access to the lore of the swamp, which is the cruel boy spell lore, which contains some insanely good spells, including the ability to just turn off ward saves. We know what a big deal ward saves are, you know, in, in, in the game. We see stuff like uh, Gotrek and Archeon and all these awesome named characters causing a load of trouble. Fly up to him with him, 
turn off his ward save, open up with all your arrows. That that dwarf isn't so much of a problem anymore. No. <laughs> the, he's, I mean, I can't wait. I think he's he's one of the best models like in the book to look at and and rules wise. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous about him is he's only got a five plus save and a six plus ward save. But like you said, Matt, he's he's very quick. He doesn't necessarily, you know, he can be at the back. Shooting armies might be a problem, um, but close combat armies, they might struggle to to catch him um, and to get to him. Yeah, well, he's got the. Um, uh, you touched on the, the spell lord below the swamp. There's one that allows a monster to move in the hero phase. Mm. So, and I think he's what movement fourteen, I believe, to start off with. Yeah. Yeah. So taking, a, taking a green and blades, he cannot be shot turn one. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I, he, I think you're definitely going to see him on the tabletop, and even the um, non-character, um, non-special character version, the more close combat orientated one. Even he's still pretty good because he's got that unique um, ability where he can issue the same command that's already been issued in a turn, which is yeah. a, a new mechanic that we we didn't see in the Stormcast book, but I imagine we'll probably see going forward into newer battle it's, terms. It's yeah. like a, a different take on the Iron Jaws one, isn't it? Where the Iron Jaws yeah. one, you, you make a command ability and free units get it. He can individually sort of do all that attack twice. On so no, no, no. If somebody, oh. if somebody else already cast it, he can then issue it. So he oh, can be course, on the yeah. other side of the battlefield and he can issue it to someone else, which is really yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, the only trouble they haven't really covered is the bone splitters. And you weren't too fussed on these, were you, Dave? No, so... I do like the bone splitters. Like I like the look of them. I like the um, I, I like what they're about. They just, I mean, they're crazy, aren't they? They're absolutely mental. They they they're wearing um undercrackers, <laughs> uh, no armor. Um, the you know, the bonkers, they're bonkers. Um, I think they've been hit in this book. I, I think a few of their units have gone up in price. Um, I know one of the big units that I liked for the bone splitters, which I never got around to painting. Now, so I've got a few that I need to paint. Are the big stabbers, which I thought in this new edition where there's lots of monsters going around, they'd be brilliant. But then they've lost all their special monster hunter um, stuff that came with the big stabbers. Yeah, um, my, like doing d6 damage. My frustration with the big stabbers is because I, I did um, bone splitters were one of my first armies into Age of Sigma when they came out, and one of the things that really frustrated me about big stabbers was they are their own separate unit, which is fine. But then a unit of orcs cannot have them as like an upgrade because yeah. when you buy a box, you get 20, you know, savage orcs or whatever. And you can build two big stabbers from that box. But if you do, you are left with 16 savage orcs, which doesn't make a full unit. Mm. So I would have liked and I was hoping that they would do this in this battle tome, that a unit of savage orcs, two and ten models can be you know yeah. place with a big stabber and i think they missed out on that but yeah. to to go be a little bit controversial i think the bone splitters have been massively buffed by this book yeah i i think the bone splitters are potentially like a tournament winning army they've got an army wide six plus save in a single turn you can make that an army wide four plus ward save which is crazy good yeah if you take the drag foot your entire army ignores wards. So you have Araboys taken down Gotrek. Turn one, just wait to fire that, ignore all his ward saves. There's some really scary stuff you can do with the bone splitters, I think. Yeah, and they get the generic, if they roll a six to hit, it does an extra hit, which is really cool. 
with Envy Icebone Warclan, an unmodified wound roll of a six does a mortal wound, which, again, it one of the issues that they always had was they didn't really have any rend, so they struggled to grind and kill down those heavily armoured targets. But now with that Warclan, they can do. And the Tireless Trackers, which I absolutely love, used to be, um, I think it was a command trait, I believe, I think it was for Tireless Trackers. And basically, in the first battle run, or before the first battle run, they get to make a pre-game move. And one of your... your army. And you can make it with the entire army with one of the traits, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah, um, yeah, the Great Hunter, if it's generous part of the army... When you use the Tireless Trackers, they can move eight inches instead of five. Well, a lot of the scenarios, you're only maybe 12 inches away from an objective. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you can get, you know, you deploy a big unit of 30 um, regular Savage Orcs or Araboids or whatever near to an objective. They can be on that objective turn one, at which point you've got 60 wounds to go through, which, yep. again, you can bump that up to a four plus ward save for That's a turn good. yeah and looking at like sons of bear Matt, i find a lot of the games that i've played so far have been i've got an objective you've got to take me off you've got to kill me before i score too many points and i almost look at bone splitters in a similar sort of way you get them onto objective and your opponent's really got to go for you really got to concentrate on a unit and grind it down but at the same time with a ward save you get that against mortal wounds and the extra hits that you're getting, the extra wounds that are doing mortal wounds and stuff like that, all of a sudden they are hitting you back just as hard as you hit them. So for me, I look at the bone splitters and my previous bone splitter army had 120 savage orcs in. And now I'm looking at it and thinking, I really want to redo all that again. Yeah, well, and then the hero phase following that when they eventually grind down a unit with poison, you just rally them and bring a load back. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah. a lot, uh, most of the stuff in the book has gone down in points. The bone splitter stuff has gone up, and I think there's some real winners there in the bone splitter stuff, and that's why they've increased the points. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I completely agree with you both which which is fine i do see i do definitely see use for them in uh, a big war army um because <laughs> yeah. you've got so many buffs that you can give them the marsh crawl they're giving them plus one to hit um the uh gordrak being able to issue multiple commands to different units so you might be more inclined to to give them all out defense or something because you, you're not just using it on them um I definitely can see they they use some those. Maybe maybe it's me not wanting to paint um a hundred. I mean, how many did you say, Andy? Hundred and sixty orcs. Um, yeah, I think it's a hundred and twenty normal dudes, and then I had a, <laughs> I think it was about ten ball boys. I mean, I did enjoy painting thirty of them, but I might have to draw the line at thirty. <laughs> I mean, I mean, your basic savage orcs, Dave, are wounded on twos on the charge for your basic battle line. Yeah, and, and yeah. one of the things um, we'll touch on in a sec is the big war. There's a lot of units in this book that you kind of look at, like Gordrak's primary example, right, where he can issue commands to free units from this book, regardless of keywords and stuff. There's a lot of units in this book that I think really excel in the big war more so than their actual arm, like in terms of their Apsar army. And I think there's the Savage Orc more boys, hmm. but basically just Savage Orcs with an extra attack, which is fine. But again, you put that in the, the big war army, 
you can easily give them plus one to hit, and all, then all of a sudden they, they're doing more damage than witch elves. Not yeah, quite. yeah, they're, they're doing like four attacks each on the charge, aren't they? Again, if you get some of those abilities on them, yeah, scary stuff. Yeah, so the, the big the big war has me um, a little bit split. Exactly what you just said, Andy. I think you can you can take the best bits of each of the armies. So you can take the kind of brute force of the Iron Jaws, the shooting uh, and tricksy stuff of the the crawl boys, so the marsh crawler and some bolt boys, the the big uh, bolt skewers, and then the mass of orcs with their bone splitters. I think you could make a really good big war list. My only um, negative, well, there's a couple of negatives of the big war. First thing is the war points. So previously in the in the old book you generated war points um by spending com- a command point well the main the main reason i generate the main um way i generated war points was having as many orcs around my general as possible spending a command point and then for each 10 um oric models you would you would gain a war point so you could very quickly kind of scale it up and then you get points if you've got war chanters on the board points if you've got a uh, bone splitters wizard you get points if you're charging points if you're in combat so very quickly you were building up the war points and gaining you stuff like a six plus ward save plus one to charge um plus one to move uh not plus one to move the old um zogum rule where if you took damage you could then move at the end of the phase um, and then building up to your plus one to hit plus one to wound now if you take a big war army that's that's gone instead um, you still have if you charge you get a point if you have your general on the battlefield you get d6 points um the the command ability one has been replaced with a heroic action so for heroic action you roll the d6 uh, and basically you're looking to um beat the turn value so if it's turn one you 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 you're just looking for a two plus to gain one war point because you you get a war point um that equates to the turn number so turn one it'd be one point turn two turn point two points etc so it's going to get harder to get those points as the battle goes on because you'll need like a two plus a three plus etc but the thing with that is obviously you, it's starting off very slow when really you want to be building, building the points up really quickly to begin with so you can get to the tasty stuff quicker and also and this particularly hit home when we had the game yesterday matt is there's so much other stuff i'd rather be performing heroic actions with healing gaining command points um uh stuff like that rather than the chance because it's not even a guarantee the chance of getting a single or a couple of war points i just don't think i'd do that yeah i mean it's it's cool to have the option isn't it if you if you just need a couple more to get to that next one like smashing where you get plus one to hit then it, it gives you that option but the, the cool thing about this and correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think the stormcast one had any unique heroic actions whereas this book uh, again stork stormcast and war clans are the first two battle tombs coming out for third edition but i think this is the first heroic action we've seen that's unique yeah. to a battle tome yeah, I don't think we've seen them anywhere else before, um, which is which is which is very cool. Yeah, I like that. I like the fact they've added heroic action, but mm. I just don't think it ranks up there with healing, with gaining command point and stuff. No, I mean you've got um, like the Stormcast, but you've got grand strategies and um, battle tactics, haven't you? And again, uh, looking at them, I mean there's one which is war where you get. Um, 
you complete it if you have a friendly battle line or your general hole loop in enemy territory. But the rest of them, I kind of look at them and think I'd probably just take a normal generic one. Mm. And I say, used War yesterday uh, in the battle because it was the only one that really appealed for the army that I had. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, the only other thing I'll mention about the big war. So obviously there's the points generation, I think, um, is harder. So it's going to be hard. I mean, I get that. I mean, it's not going to be fun for your opponent if or, you're already going to be hitting and wounding with plus one in turn two or three. You're now going to be looking later on in the, the, the game toward into the twilight of the game when I guess when it's going to be clutch, really. Um, the only other thing I would, I would mention is you, you, you lose some of the flavoursome stuff like you used to be able to spend war points to increase your casting, that's gone um, the ward save bonus is gone, they're all just a little bit more um, not boring <coughs> they're just a bit more general now, so you've got add one to run, uh, run rolls charge rolls, casting dispelling hit, wound, and then if you get up to 20, 24 war points you can blow them all on plus one attack um, but then that takes you right back down to zero war points, which, to be honest, based on how you now generate them, it's going to take you, uh, you. You're not going to be go building them back up again, really. It's like a turn five, blow it all, get an extra attack, and and um, try and kill what's left on the board. Yeah, I mean the the big war to me sound because they've in third edition they've gotten rid of the grand alliances. So there's no more grand alliance destruction. The big war almost feels like they've put the big war in the book uh, again previously because the previous battle tome had it. But it to me it appeals if you want to do a little bit of cruel boys, a little bit of bone splitters, a little bit of iron jaws, and then combine them all together. You still got that way of doing it. But I do agree with you. I do look at them and think to myself, if I'm going to do bone splitters, I'm going to do a bone splitters army rather than a big war army. I think if you're going to do maybe like a big 3,000 point game and you want to throw in a little bit of all of the different clans and stuff, then yeah, the the, um, the big wall really jumps out. But I yeah. think if you're going to play 2,000 points, then yeah, you, you, you pick one of the types and go for it. I absolutely would love to do a 3,000 point big war battle report with Kragnos. Maybe not with Kragnos. Maybe just all orcs. And i tell you what else you can also add to a big war army. In fact, any of the, the, the different war clans is you can ally with the Gloomspite Gits. Um, so you could even bring them into the fray if you wanted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's cool that you've got access to Gloomspite Gits, but, you know, orcs are so odd. They don't need the little grass coming in. <laughs> Maybe some pet maybe, twigs, you know? so maybe a dank hole trog off, maybe for, for some more punch. Yeah, arguably you've got some cool monsters though in the book, haven't you? To use yeah, instead of them. You've this, got mangoes, squigs. Every, everybody wants more monsters, Matt. Everyone does want more monsters, yeah. And I'm all about squigs, so, you know. <laughs> I agree with Andy. You add all the squigs. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I I really like the book. I've I've obviously mentioned a few of the negatives, um, or quite a few of the negatives from the book. But I think in general, um, it's it's a great book. Some of the stuff that I hoped would still be in here are still in here, such as the plus one attack, plus one wound as you kill models with the mega boss. Um, I really like the cruel boys. I'm still not completely sold on the bone splitters, but I appreciate the points that both of you made. Um. And the big war, I'm glad it's still there. I'm just a bit disappointed that it's kind of been scaled back. It's it, it doesn't seem as fun 
anymore, but it's definitely something I want to be playing with um, at some point. What was your overall view of the book, Matt? Yeah, I thought it was good. I'll touch briefly on the uh, Path to Glory content. I really like the idea that you could start with a Cruel Boys force and turn it into a big war uh, as you play your campaign. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool. Uh, and and you, you, keep, gain... you keep all your initial Cruel Boys abilities then as well, and you just get gain the bonuses for the tribes that have joined you. So it's yeah. better than a big war, so I really like that. Yeah, and um, being able to gain a, a different mount as well, um, like gaining mounts for your, uh, your character as well. Yeah, I was in the, the Stormcast book. That's a really great thing, and I'm sure we'll see that in all the other battle tomes going forward. Excellent. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good uh, a really good battle tome. Um, Matt did a fantastic written review of the book, which I'll also um, put the link in the uh, the podcast notes next to the the YouTube battle report that we had. Um, so you can also read that at your leisure. Uh, and the Oric Warclan book is out now to purchase. So thanks to Games Workshop for sending us one early for us to review uh, and use and uh, and drool over um because it is it is a very 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 good book and that brings that segment to a close but we're not quite finished with this week's episode as we do have the community top three picks coming up next so keep listening It is time for the final segment of this week's show, and it's time to read out the community top three picks. So, Matt, what do we have over on Twitter? So, Average Paint said, the Black Templar's Codex art gives me that nostalgia hit from the first box I got as a kid. The Black Templar's Sword Brother and everything else in the Black Templar box. (laughs) Uh, Although now we're going to have to start a fourth Space Marine Army. They are very tasty. And if I didn't have a massive backlog of stuff, I'd be tempted myself, but... I can't resist this you know, I meant to say when when Jay was like uh, waxing lyrical about the Black Templars, I was also very tempted. But because I've got the Imperium content coming, which I'm going to be painting as Tome Keepers, I think that's going to fill my marine space. Yeah. Oh, Anonymous Rex says Warcry Red Harvest teaser. Amazing new Warcry models incoming. I love how was, this, this, this teaser has been super exciting and we haven't even seen anything, have we? No. <laughs> Imagine when they start revealing stuff. Well, that's that's the best thing. That, that's that's the sign of a really good teaser. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. Uh, number two, the Necromunda Outcasts. And number one, Necromunda Underhive Market. Awesome piece of terrain that can easily be used for any game system. Yeah, I'm so excited to paint that up. And then Garrow says the Outcast Kit, the Book of Outcasts and the Necromunda Marketplace. All the Necromunda all the time. Gary also shouts out that on the email, it wasn't mentioned in the Warcom article, but the trading post is getting a PDF as well. So ah. at the minute, that is in uh, Gangs of the Underhive, I think. Uh, so this will be an updated trading post for you to do your shopping between games and buy all your gear and stuff. Yeah, because you, you, a lot of uh, like people who have jumped on Necromunda recently won't have that old book, will they? Yeah, exactly. Because there's no need. Excellent. Uh, what is next week's top three? So, obviously, we're, we're at a tournament at the weekend, so I thought we'd throw out top three most mem- memorable games of Warhammer you've ever had. Uh, An oldie but a goodie. Uh, it's, like, it's like you've picked one that I just know what, you know, at least two of Matt's top three, but we'll we'll see. Maybe he'll surprise me. Um, we'll we'll I, wait and see. I can guess one. <laughs> yeah. You can only guess one? Yeah, I think the other one might have been a bit, a bit before. Yeah, okay. Um, so you can get your choices in early via social media. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash bruise and bruise 
or tweet to us at Spruce and Brews, or alternatively hang fire until the Sunday or Monday when we put the tweet or Facebook message out asking for your top three choices and we'll look forward to reading them out on next week's show um well good luck matt in the tournament on saturday uh, i hope you do well um and a good luck to jay as well um andy unfortunately you're not there but i'm sure you'll be there in spirit and i'll be there potentially spectating potentially playing we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, but it should be a fun game a full a fun weekend of warhammer regardless uh, until next week we'll be back again with a brand new episode so in the meantime have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon bye bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews.